This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Will, today's episode is... <laughs> Will, today's episode of Talk Don't Bob. cut that out, by the way, Michael. You better keep that in. I want to hear that at the start of the episode. I will never listen to to verify whether it's in or not. <laughs> this- Charlie. Go. This episode of Tofop is brought to you by Movement Watches. Oh, Movement! Oh, oh, Charlie, no. Say the sponsor's name correctly. It's brought to you by Movement Watches. Join now, the is movement. that MVMT, Movement? Yeah, that's why okay. my joke was Movement. Yeah, but Has I it taken us just... this long to get to that joke, Movement? Well, I see, here's the thing. Is it a joke? What do you I, mean? Well, I'm not sure that's a joke. <laughs> that's a pretty low bar for a joke. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're trying to impress the sponsor and you've gone with that as your joke. It's not a great joke. And you've had five weeks or something to think about it. Join the movement today. I will. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And for the very first time ever, Charlie, we are recording this podcast in a new pod cape. So yeah. it has a different sound. Yeah. That is because the two of us are sitting on a, like a couch, a yeah. faux leather couch uh, in my new office, in my new home in Melbourne. So yeah. this is... Uh, the, when you I, say I, new home, it looks like, you know, in those action movies when the FBI kick a door in because, you know, <laughs> they're trying to find the serial killer and it's like... The apartment's like completely empty apart from like a desk set up and a few like clues left on. A That's coffee what, machine, yeah. but no fridge to keep milk. Yeah. <laughs> the coffee's still warm. You've just gone out the window. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I am not even half moved into this house. So at the moment, there are a couple of rooms that are inhabited, but the rest of it is pretty much a, a ghost town. But it is nice. It's nice to be in a new room. And I feel like the sound of this podcast is just a little bit better because there is carpet on the floor. Right. And we are at the point of this carpet that I just want you to look at the carpet and I want you to appreciate the carpet and I want you to feel the warmth of the carpet. Sure. Because the dogs aren't here yet. And uh, you will never see that carpet in good shape ever, ever again. It will be destroyed 60 seconds after they first come into that all house. Right. Just take a moment. Got it. Got uh, it. Yeah, good. Memories. <laughs> like flashbacks. <laughs> I've vacuumed it twice since I've moved in. I've been here a week because I'm so proud it. of it. I'm <laughs> just kissing it. I'm like, spending precious time with yeah, it. Yeah. It's like it's a dying relative. Yeah. I know it's going to be destroyed by other people that I love and I just want to just, give it a moment where I show it that one-on-one I love it and you, I appreciate you're it. You're just lying on it like a like a, like an 80s like sex symbol, just like stroking it lovingly. No, 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 no. It's like the end of the movie when somebody's doing a snow angel. Yeah. That's what I'm like. I'm just like laying on it like I've like you know won some I've, like I've just won the Australian Open tennis you know when they fall yeah, to the yeah, ground yeah. and they do that sort of thing that's just me on this carpet just like enjoying it just being with it being one with it 
How is it being in Melbourne now? Like you've been, I know you've been coming back and forth, but you're yeah. settling in, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, my life is a bit of a, it's been a crazy, uh, six months, nine months, you know, like mm. I've been going from one thing to the other, you know? Um, it's funny cause I'm writing this show, you know, this comedy festival show all about the, the arrest and, you know, I've spent so much time not talking about it cause I knew that it was going to be a show and I didn't want to like, you know, give it to spoil it for free. <laughs> You know, I wanted to charge people to see it. But I'm also getting to the point now where I realise there's so much to the story that won't make the show. So um, I'm. it's really interesting. It's I feel like... Director's now, cut? Just Batman versus Superman it. I think I might even like maybe do a podcast or something and talk about some of the shit yeah, around right. it or whatever. You like, probably do like an eight-part like eight pod series, right? Well, I've recorded all the trial shows I did as well. I think there'll be something in this of like there'll be stuff that ends up not making it but would be interesting to hear about or would be another sort of yeah. facet of it. Um, get Fosdark to animate it. Well, see, that's a really good idea too. Maybe I could just do that and get Foz to am- animate different little bits of it. That's a really good idea, actually. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad we had this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright <type. laughs> Um So, yeah, do you hear that? Bloody Screen Australia, copyright TOEFOP. Right. <laughs> um, so I... Um, it's been uh, a really good thing. Like I've finally feel like I'm processing what happened and now I'm turning it into a show because what you have to do to turn it into a show is get rid of all... For me, it's everything. Mm. But now that I have to refine it down to like actually what the story I'm going to tell and give to other people, it now feels like it's not my story anymore. It feels like it's a story for other people and that's been... Genuinely, I've been a bit surprised at how much of an incredible weight off my shoulders huh. I've found that to be. And the fact that it's coincided with moving and like, you know, kind of, you know, just starting a bit fresh with some things that I was doing. It's literally like starting again, like wiping a slate clean. Yeah. yeah. And so... Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So that's Cosmically, how... Cosmically, it's kind of aligned. Yeah. So that's how I'm feeling. Huh. It's, it's amazing. My back health is getting um, a lot better. It's right. still not perfect, but it's... Um, yeah, considerably better than what it was, you know, three months ago. And I just, you know, I feel good. excited and good about everything, which That's is good. great. So That's really good. I'm really excited to do the show now. Like I'm getting to that point where like I'm a month out and like tonight after we do this, I'm going to have a sit down and uh, reckon come up with what I'm going to call the genuine like first draft of what I think the show would be if I had to do it tomorrow. Mm. And for me, a month to be a month out from the tour with, you know, a really clear idea of what the story I want to tell is there's I've already had to leave out things that I just thought when I first started doing this would be in the show you know things that ordinarily in a different year would definitely be in the show I've had to cut out of this show because there's better things so now I'm just like kind of excited about that idea of going let's get this together I want I'm really excited about going out to showing it to people you'll love this this is I've started now to see this as being funny in a way that I wasn't really capable of doing, even though I was trying to, um, I, I, you know what, maybe this is a bit serious to go into straight away, but having now realized how much happier I am, it's made me aware of how unhappy I was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I'm back to, I think you grad when you're doing things and I was so busy and stuff, I, didn't fully appreciate how much like mentally my um and i had an awareness of how much mentally mm-hmm. my back was affecting me but i and that the arrest was affecting me and all these sort of things were like all piling onto one but mm. it's not until now when i'm feeling 
so much more on top of all that stuff that I really have an appreciation of how far down I perhaps was and didn't yeah. realize I was. So creeps up on you. Yeah. I, I had this discussion. I was talking to Gemma. We had lunch before he came today. And, you know, we've got a friend who's sort of uh, dealing with depression at the moment. And I never, I don't, I'm not prone to depression, like chronic depression. And I have a lot of friends who do suffer from depression. And it was always like, I was always sympathetic, but I could never really be empathetic because I don't understand what that's like and then I sort of had an experience recently where it was a similar kind of thing where it was like a, it was just a slow just slow cuts that chip away and I got I just felt I got stuck in this cycle of nothing changing like absolute stasis where you just felt like I just felt like there was this heavy press now it's not I'm not saying it was depression but I was depressed feeling depressed yeah well there's two different things like there's there is depression, which is that aspect of um, things could even be going well, mm. but you can't see that because you have, you know, clinical style depression. But yeah. there's also this other thing, which in retrospect was probably what I was experiencing. Mm. But I don't think that I was aware that I was at, at yeah. the time, which was when something bad is happening or a series of bad things are happening, sometimes it affects your mental health in a way that is... So I think that's why sometimes people don't understand clinical depression. Right. Because they kind of get the idea that when sad things happen... You feel bad. You feel bad. Yeah. That's not being a psychopath. That's a normal thing, right? Mm. Um, sometimes, you know, with clinical depression, things can be going well even and you can't you can't see that. You know, it's a, it's a different thing. But sometimes people are like, oh, well, they should just go for a walk and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. be positive. Yeah, and you're like, well, Cheer they, up. Yeah, they'd like to. Yeah. It's, you know, so... Yeah. So anyway, so I'm feeling much better, which is great. Yeah. You know, it's really exciting. And I think the not drinking thing has been great. Yeah. And the, definitely the change. I mean, that's what I, I was going to say is yeah. Gemma was the one who recognized it and just suggested I make a change, like literally change my environment and stuff. And it was yeah. amazing how quickly, like just by getting out of that cycle of, you know, whatever it was and changing my perspective and like wiping the slate clean again. Like you sometimes I think you don't give yourself permission to just stop right like you think i'm pursuing this path i'm this far deep like i can't change things now well you know part of being a freelancer that i have been thinking about recently because i've essentially for the last eight or nine years you know i mean i have a tv show and like you know but it's it's freelance work yeah you know like you know i work I, when i get paid i work when i get paid that's how it works you know if i don't work i don't get paid you know I have a mixture of stuff, my stand-up and the tally and a bunch of other things that would like over the year keep paying my mortgage and stuff, right? Um, and then I have this that costs us money. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I now have a job, a radio job that like just has a wage that comes into your bank account regardless of you know whether you're on holidays or not. And I got a pretty easy inter introduction to that because like the last bit of it was really hard. And I said to people at the time, the one good thing about this so what was the last week well because I, I started this new job seven weeks out from the end of the year right uh, at a time when i was doing my tv show i had this bad back where i couldn't sit down and i was at the end of one of the busiest years i've ever, ha ever had i was off the back of the arrest all this sort of stuff and then on top of this i was suddenly doing this like five day a week you know in between cities you know starting this new radio job but at the time, and at the same time doing the tally, it was just fucking crazy. You'd never schedule it. 
Like if you sat down at the start of the year, you'd never put all those things on at the same time. Mm. Unfortunately, the radio thing had come up and it was that one was of those... what it was. It was one of those things where they just wouldn't... Like it's, it's either you don't get this job or you have to do it this way. And so I was like, well, I have to do it. And I got through it. Mm. But that's hopefully the worst it'll ever be. Right. Because... I can't imagine that I'm ever going to have all those things. Like you wouldn't schedule it like that in the future. Mm. And so suddenly then I was on six weeks holiday. Right. And suddenly I had that regimented schedule back in my life that I hadn't had for eight or nine years. Yeah. Which is because I've been touring, I've been traveling the world, I've been doing all this. So there's no like you get to December and you stop and you get to here. You know, you never really stop. I've got to get a show for the comedy festival, but sometimes I never stop. Mm. And like particularly this year because of a whole bunch of other things um, and me having to pick up some of the slack for other people in my life as well, you know, like just a whole bunch of things happened where I had not had a break. And I still didn't really have a break this summer. I mean, I had to write my new show. But in retrospect, this is the, you know, one of those things where you start to make peace with it all. Mm. There is a part of me now that really recognized because I'm so on top of the show and I know what it is that I want to say. Yeah. Um, it did me a favor. Yeah. Because ordinarily I'd be scrounging around at this time of the year. I also have the other thing on top of me, which was that I have to come up with a brand new show. I wish some, I wish something would happen to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's a bit of me now that is like just going, well, it actually kind of did you a favor in the end, didn't yeah. it? Like it was some hard times afterwards, but, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, I got off. So this was the whole point of that rambling anecdote. I'm sorry we got a bit serious early, but um, I get a Facebook message this week from one of the cops who arrested really? me. Really? Yeah, um, to see when I'm doing Canberra because they all want to come and see the show. Dude, that's entrapment. <laughs> They're just luring you to Canberra. Well, the funny thing about it is, I don't think there's anything in the show that, you know, because I try to actually, because comedically there's no. You don't want it to be a version of a like you know letter to the editor, mm. like where it's me complaining about something and like yeah. you know only prosecuting my case. That doesn't make it very yeah. interesting. Cheesed off Vaucluse, right? Exactly, <laughs> right? You know, the, the, you know, that's not what the show when, is. When oh when, it's kind of it's a story about you know something seen from different perspectives and how different people can you know imagine different things depending on the angle they're looking at the same information and so. There's a lot in the sh- I think I would hope that I've been as generous as I, I could possibly be to all of the other people in the story because that's not really what the story is about at the heart of it. Um, and so when I did the trial shows at um, uh, Brunswick Heads, mm. I did questions and answers at the end. So I literally just said to the audience, if there's anything that you want to know about this, I'm happy to answer questions. And uh, a friend of mine who came and saw the show asked me about that afterwards and said, Weren't you nervous about that? And I said, no, because I think everything that I'm saying in the show is like, I'm very clear about that it's my perspective, but also I think that I'm being independently fair about what happened. Um, Did I tell you that we contacted the guy who wrote wrote the the letters to the editor? Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that. So I think that like, you know, there is, I'm, I, I think the cops can come is that my that's my point i think the cops can come and why wouldn't you think that yeah well i mean i don't know i think there'd be a part of me that would just be a bit nervous yeah like you know all right and i guess i don't know what you say about them but it's not like nwa you're just not going to come out and like open with (laughs) yeah fuck the i come out to fuck the police (laughs) yeah 
yeah. So start I was, challenging me from the stage. I was motherfucking Wagga Wagga. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the show is you just... You walk out with an AK. Yeah, the show is just a list of the other crimes I have committed <laughs> and got away with. And I'm just rubbing it in their face. That's the show. It's nice being back in Melbourne. I love coming back here. This city is just doing something right with the urban sprawl. Like, it feels like now when you travel in any direction from the CBD, like, it stays good for a long time. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, there's just great places. Yep. The further you go out, like, especially north. I was always a south of the Yarra kind of guy. I grew up Bayside and just, you know, I was always that dude. But now, like, north, north of the Yarra is amazing. I think that... The, I always thought the inner ring of Melbourne was pretty amazing. And then now it's just... I mean, as gentrification has driven people out. And you can make yeah. arguments against, you know, the idea that people who used to be able to live in Fitzroy can no longer live in Fitzroy and all those sort of things. But... Um, as a city, if you're just looking at a city, you now have extra layers mm. of things being great. Yeah. Like you don't have to go it's as far like, into the city. You can only you have to go one suburb in to get to somewhere really good. But I feel like it's unique because it's cool burbs. You know what I mean? Like, right. I think in other big cities, it's still like, you know, you're still in the city or, or whatever when you go to these kind of like, you know, out of cool areas. But the areas I'm talking about, like Thorngreen stuff, they still look like granny cottages. Like all the yeah. streets are those like low brick fences but then you'll walk two feet and there's like an organic cafe you know and there's like a like a a, a, a push bike store and all this kind of shit and well i mean there's the, some dude djing in a garden the area that i live in is uh, two things that i've become very aware of which is one it's very because there's a dog beach at the end of the suburb mm. um very dog friendly like extremely dog friendly. Dogs like, drive here. They well, have jobs. Well, at Halloween they had like a Halloween dog parade where you dressed your dogs up as Halloween. I'm shit into that. And like, yeah. So how humiliating for the dog dressed like Catwoman. Well, you know what the other thing was? <laughs> I was into it too, and it was the first time that I'd felt like you know how some people would be like, oh, I want to have a threesome with my partner or whatever, and like, how mm. would I introduce that? Mm. Like, I don't know if they they're going to be really cool with it or that. Well, it's what I think be I'm the, a freak. Yeah, exactly. Right. For me, that was the dog Halloween. <laughs> Telling Amy. Yeah, it was like, I was like, she'll either be really into this or completely against <laughs> Horrified. this. Horrified. Yeah, and I don't know how to just like subtly, as I made well, like a you... walk her past the sign yeah. a couple of times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like, let her pick the yeah. sign. Watch the signs on her. Just take a, just hang out at the, uh, take, go to a dog parade first. And well, just, say, just watch her, watch the parade and be like, so uh, what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> do you think our dogs are like this? Hot. Very hot. <laughs> Do you want to try it Halloween doggy stuff? <laughs> uh, um, the other one is it's still a suburb that, yeah, when it comes to gentrification, like it's people like me who are coming in to ruin yeah. it, you know? So um, it's at that level where there's definitely like elements of gentrification and then there's just some old fashioned like shit fish and chip shops yeah. and stuff. Like, you know, there's just that kind of, Really mix of like, you know, good new yeah. cool businesses yeah. and really shit old businesses yeah. that you can't believe still exist. Yeah, they could, they, there'll be like some, you know, country road store and then two feet a pub where people regularly get stabbed. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's a real mix. It's a real mix. And like on... <laughs> it's eclectic. On, on the main street near where I live, because I've walked up and down it a few times and uh, now and it, it's one of those streets where it's got too many of some things and yeah. not enough of other things. Yeah. Like, you're just like, how many, like, beauty places do you need or whatever? 
and but not enough like you know other things. Yeah. You're like, and there's like two fish and chip shops next to each other, and like just shit <laughs> yeah, yeah, where yeah. you're like, no one has planned this out. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I don't get it. And it's also the kind of place where whenever there's a drug bust, when you read a drug bust, it's always in. Oh well, yeah. Thanks for giving away my suburb on cut, the podcast. Cut that, cut that out, Michael. 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 <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Michael. I know, but we know it's, it's like I was angry at I him. I know. <laughs> You've outed him. Just bleep that, Michael. Yeah, that'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so, yes, no, there was a drug bust uh, very recently, a high-profile drug is. bust uh, in my suburb, though. Yeah. A very high-profile person. It's weird. It only tends to be like drug busts and footballers. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I was devastated because that's where I was going to get my drugs. <laughs> So local. Yeah. Convenient. It's so right next convenient. to the fish and chip shop and, I'll get and the, the nail salon. And I got right to, to talk to other. a guy about footy. It was going to be a really good afternoon. <laughs> Imagine how much I could talk about footy after some meth. Uh, that's exciting, knowing that you can watch footy. Like That's when I, that's when I get excited about Melbourne. Like I, I lo- Having lived in Sydney a long time now, I, I always say Sydney is a summer city. Like Nothing better than a summer in Sydney. Yeah. Melbourne, Sydney, it's for holidays. Yeah. <laughs> Melbourne, though, like, really comes alive in winter. That's, that's when I look forward to coming down. But then it gets to a point where it's like, it's too cold. Yeah. It's like, in, my, in this scenario, my wife has introduced the threesome. And she's like, yeah, in a bit of Melbourne. I'm like, yeah, okay. Ooh, bit of Melbourne, bit of Melbourne. Whoa, no, no, not into that, not into that. And that's when it gets to, like, <laughs> the middle of winter. That's when she suggests pegging. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, I was in the city yesterday, uh, just, like, walking around the Langways. went and got some lunch. And I was like, it's fucking cool being back in Melbourne. I said, isn't it? Look how far I've come. Like, you know, I used to come to comedy festival here and walk around. I just wanted to be in like entertainment and stuff. And then, you know, I started working here. I said, now like, I'm actually working. I can come back to this town. And I just look at it differently. And as I'm thinking this, this waitress comes up and she says, sorry, look, I don't want to embarrass you. And I'm still on my like, our success line. I'm like, it's okay. And she's gone, uh, your fly's open. <laughs> And so I was so kind of like stunned because it's not where I thought she was going. I I, I didn't do it up immediately. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah it is. <laughs> that, that's what big stars do. Yeah. Big stars like I am. Yeah. Now, anyway, it's McLaughlin for two. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Man, it was a real like, ego. Well, but the other thing is that would be terrifying at the best of times it doesn't matter where your thought process was if a waitress came up to you and your fly was so obviously open that a waitress felt the need to say you've got to shut that because ordinarily in that situation if you're a waitress don't you go he'll work it out yeah you know when i go to put the napkin on his lap he'll realize that his fly is open this is just another entry into the quickly growing tomes of charlie is getting old added to last week's story where i fell asleep while i was getting an mri (laughs) I'm now going to be that guy whose flies is always open, like where like people will have to constantly remind me. I'll be the old guy sitting in the corner in his tweed pants, fly open. A waitress will just come and put a napkin over my lap. Uh, well, I thought that last night because obviously, as you can tell, there is no televisions in this house yet. And uh, ideally, what I'm going to have is from this couch we're sitting on, on that wall just there, I'm going to have a really big television I can watch football on, which uh, is... Oh, uh, man cave. <laughs> Yeah, it's essentially a man cave with a desk in it, which makes it an office. Yeah, man office. Yeah, <laughs> it's a office. And so anyway, um, but at the moment, because I've got nothing in here and I've got no internet in here, 
last night I went to bed like at a reasonably early time and I just lay in bed and I was just enjoying laying down. <laughs> you know? Like I was just really fully appreciating just <sighs> On like, your new carpet. <sighs> well, here's the other thing. I've got a new mattress. Right. And I haven't had a new mattress in a long time. And this mattress, so there was a bit of a saga of the mattress. So we ordered this mattress. Is that the new Star Wars film? <laughs> yeah, the saga of the mattress. Yeah. Jabba the Hutt's cousin. <laughs> mattress the Hutt. <laughs> And it was also a semi-successful franchise after the movies came out. Uh, so it was a pizza mattress restaurant. <laughs> yeah, it's in, I was going to name your suburb again, but yeah. It's the kind of business you'd see here. Right, yes, it's true. Um, okay, pizza so, mattress. <laughs> Got a pizza and a mattress. Someone to lie and somebody to get some pizza pie. <laughs> Charlie, no one calls it pizza pie anymore. That's like from the 1950s. I read a lot of Mad Magazine. I'm pretty sure they got a pizza pie. You are so old, dude. I know. My fly's open. I can't do anything anymore. My mate fucking is lying on the carpet talking about how great it is. We used to be cool. I know. Saturday night. So, But how's this? <laughs> So, this is depressing. This is probably the most depressing episode we've done. It is. Uh, so we we got this mattress, and because I, you know, we had to decide on a mattress we both liked, and we both like different things in a mattress. But so take me through the process, the selection process, because I have uh, gone through a couple of mattress purchases. Well, it is a negotiation. So Amy likes a really soft mattress. Oh, and I like a firmer mattress. Yeah. For, but also for my back health and stuff like that, yeah. I need a firmer mattress, but it can't be too firm because of my back and hips and stuff. If it's too firm, it like makes it So at a, like what percentage firmness? Well, I would say like... 75? Yeah, 80, 75, 80? Yeah, yeah probably. I'd say I'm around that too. I like a firmness underneath and a softness on the top. I would always err on firm. So if you take me to 90, I'll take it. Yeah. 100% ridiculous. What are you doing? What no. are you doing? Do you want to give me a back injury? 90. All yeah. right. Preference 80. I reckon I tap out at like, yeah, 85 max. <laughs> tap out. <laughs> the wussiest fucking bloke. <laughs> Talking about lying on his mattress using the toughest term. Uh, so I... Uh, yeah, so anyway, we have I'm that. out. I'm out. <laughs> What's yeah. the matter with you? getting beaten up? No, no, this mattress is way too firm. I'm tapping out. So... I have a memory foam one uh, in LA and it's incredibly comfortable, but it's also, it's a bit clingy. You know, the, it can it actually feel like it sticks to you. Yeah. And you know what? It was the one they recommend. I say that because I'm staying at Will's place at <laughs> the moment, not because we get into bed together. No, like Ernie and Bert. That's how we live. That's right. <laughs> that's the, finally, that's the big reveal. The big reveal when we finally wrap this podcast up is we've been living together yeah. in the same Muppet-style apartment <laughs> for right. the entire time. The whole time. And this, all these different scenarios where we've recorded the show have just been a figment of our imagination. <laughs> we've just been two guys living in a house together, putting on our 90s and going to bed together every night and then getting up and living our... We're in an insane asylum. <laughs> we're bunkmates in an insane asylum and this whole thing has been crazy. Black Mirror type. I mean, listen to this. How is it possible that I could, we could 
be like, this is classic delusional if they were having, you know, like a Matrix thing for me. Yeah. Like that someone who does this for a living, talks mm. fucking nonsense for a living, mm. is like, now you're in your house in Melbourne. Oh, and what is it like in LA? That's classic shit to keep me happy because they don't want me to break out of whatever fucking matrix I'm in yeah. right now and understand what oh life's my God, really maybe about. the girl who told me about my fly, that was someone from the outside trying to break through. Sir, I don't want to embarrass you, but yeah. your fly's your open. Fly's open. <laughs> Doesn't this all seem a bit suspicious It's a glitch in the matrix. Because you know where I was, Will? I where? was buying donuts. Okay. Oh, I went fuck. to a donut shop in Melbourne specifically that I'd read about. It was going to be amazing because you know I love donuts. So I wanted to take some donuts to my friend's place. So I was in my favorite place to be, a really cool, fancy donut shop. A waitress asks, do you know your fly's open? Don't you think that is like Trinity? Yes. Saying, I do think that. This is too good to be true. That is absolutely too good to be true. Fuck. Oh, man. So you're not in this house. I never got donuts yesterday. We're in a pod somewhere. Oh, God. Oh, well. well I'll stay. You know, yeah, <laughs> so me really too. I'm, I'm wrapped. Hey, machines, we're into it. Yeah, let's lean into the pottiness yeah. of it. That's what I'm going to do. If you want do. us to dob in any humans, yeah. I'll, I'll rat on them. Just yeah, I'm happy. Keep me in this. So, well, this is what I was going to say. So, we went on this, like, bed hunt. And then we eventually settled on the idea of one night we were staying in Melbourne at the QV Hotel. And um, I think that's what it's called, QV? Yeah. Anyway, it's like some sort of, you know groovy-ish you know designer hotel so one of those places yeah. where they have really comfortable mattresses where the when when you read the kind of guide to the hotel there's always like a slightly kind of playful tone it's like hey welcome to the place just kick back and relax you yeah know? they have <laughs> it's not formal they have quirky shit in the minibar yeah you know like yeah. sh- you want some snacks we've got like yeah. peanut butter dusted with paprika and yeah spicy salsa sauce yeah it's exactly like, hey. now i want a snickers calm yeah. down yeah. but <laughs> but yeah it's it's that sort of place and hey why don't you take uh this eye mask, complimentary on us. It says, you're cool. <laughs> Fuck hotel, just like, I don't need all that shit. Here's some more chocolates, welcome to your stay. Hey. Hope you have a cool time, here's a mint. We <laughs> don't have walls in this hotel room. There's just like a kind of mirrored door that slides between you and the bathroom. I'm not into that actually. <laughs> no. I like doors on the place where people go to the bathroom. <laughs> that actually makes my stay at the hotel much nicer. No. Oh uh, yeah, so, but they have a... Uh, brilliant comfortable bed and we both remembered because we're trying to work out how to do the bed situation mm, that we that both enjoyed bed. that bed so so how can that bed be both soft for amy yet 78 to 80 percent firm for you i don't think it is i think it is well i think it's the, what we need which is it's like it's soft a compromise soft on the top but really firm underneath right yeah and i'm okay with that because like amy likes a bed you can sink into a bit yeah I, I'm okay with it sinking into a bit as long as then there's some concrete, there's some underneath. like firmness underneath, yeah. right? Yeah, you don't want to be like Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Street where you just get like sucked into the bed and then right. explode in a cloud of blood on the ceiling. That would yeah. that would suck. And my clearly imaginary LA bed does that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so uh, the bed gets delivered. It takes ages, but we you can turns out you can buy the beds at the QV, not the ones from the QV, but you can buy that same model. So. We hunt and investigate that down. We order this. Awesome. It's like an episode of fucking like Bones or something. Right. We order this mattress. You know, it's really exciting. And then I have to come down here to get the mattress. Yeah, for the mattress to be delivered. Hang on. Sorry. Did you just say we ordered the mattress? It was really exciting. (laughs) You did. Yeah, it was. It was really exciting. Okay. Again, old men. So ordering a mattress is a wild time. Woo wee. 
you know, I've got a guy who can get us a mattress. Oh, right? my God. Yeah, I've got a great contact, mate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you feel like lying down? Yeah. <laughs> do you ever get low? <laughs> hey, you want to get low? You feel like getting low, dude? <laughs> <laughs> if by that you mean lying on a comfortable mattress, I am I down. <laughs> Weak. Yeah. If lying down is cool, consider me Miles Davis. <laughs> it's not cool. It's what old people do. Well, consider me Gina Davis. What does that have to do with anything? She was in a league of their own with Madonna. Now pass me Maduna. <laughs> That's it. The show's done. <laughs> the podcast is over. We can't beat that one. That's the end of it. Yeah. That's it. We always wondered how it would end. It's with Maduna. It's with Maduna. Anyway, so to the good people at Casper Mattresses, I think the, if you this want is to... a freshly painted room. I think the paint fumes might be affecting this podcast. Uh, uh, yeah. You know what? I actually feel like I need, I need a break. So okay. let's have a break <laughs> and we'll be back. Okay. Will, this episode of TOEFOP is brought to you by Movement Watches. Awesome. Now, I always regret when we do these that I don't just read. They give you some talking points. Okay, what are I the feel talking like points? I read the talking points. I'm going to just follow the talking points because I feel like I try and ad lib too much and make eye contact with you and then I get thrown and I start cherry picking stuff. And so let's just be thorough with this one. Okay, I, I want you to read everything that's there, including, you know, if they just give us instructions on what we're meant to do. Okay. Heading, MVMT logo. Talent, colon, TOEFOP. Introduction, colon. MVMT Watches, pronounced movement, was founded on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. The watchmaker's goal is to change the way consumers think about fashion by offering high-quality, minimalist products at revolutionary prices. I mean, that is an amazing thing to want to achieve, how consumers think about fashion. They just don't want to sell some watches. They want to revolutionize the very thinking of consumers in a capitalist-like society. That's an amazing goal to have for a watch company. Thought control. Look, you can spin it as whatever way you want. <laughs> With over 1 million watches sold to customers in over 160 countries around the world, Movement Watches has solidified itself as the world's fastest growing watch company. Uh, I mean, that's great. They're the world's fastest growing watch company and I'm very proud of them for that. But I do have one little thing that I just want to like think about here, which is... Why do I always dream about Movement Watches? <laughs> We've been doing... Because they've been controlling your thoughts. <laughs> okay, but let's move off that because good on them. Thanks for being involved, Movement Watches. If they could control people's thoughts, Charlie, they wouldn't need to put ads yeah, on podcasts. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? So, but we've been uh, sponsored by Movement before, and it was a million in 160 countries then. I feel like it should be heaps more than a million. If these ads were really working, if people were getting behind Movement Watches, yeah. surely it should be like 1.5 million or yeah. 2 million by now. Yeah. This is like the bit where the, you know, the wrestler comes out and goes, you know what? This crowd's pretty good, but last night I played in Georgia and they were a great crowd. Boo, boo. Show me how what a good crowd you can be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Podcast slash radio okay. ever, evergreen copy, colon. Evergreen copy. So this stuff will be mentioned. the judgments of that. Thought starters. Please be conversational and make this your own. Okay. So what I'll do is I'll read what the instructions are and then I'll... I'll be conversational yes. and make it your own. Yeah, okay. 
Talk about your personal experience with your watch. The watch you have, how it looks, how it feels, what you enjoy most about it, have people ask you about it, want to know where you purchased it, how much it cost, and how the design fits the occasion. Okay, so, what am I wearing right now? A movement watch. Let's talk about my movement watch. Okay. Uh, how much did it cost? <laughs> uh, well, I think they gave it to me for free. <laughs> but, you know, like, I would have paid for it. <laughs> Not those high department store prices, though, surely? <laughs> no, no. Even though it looks good enough to be very expensive it does look, one of those. It does look fancy, yeah. though, right? No, it does look okay. fancy. I'll Talk tell me you, through it. I'll tell you a little story. So I was not a really a watch person before I got my movement watch, oh. and it has been a slow process of incorporating the watch into my life. It's the first time that I have seen you wearing the watch. Right, okay. I'm wearing it a lot more now. When I was travelling... It's good to have a watch handy. Like sometimes, you know, if it's cold, you can't use your gloves to check your phone. You've got your watch, you know what time it is, right? So I started wearing it more and more. And then I got back to Australia and I took it off one night and put it somewhere and then woke up the next day and couldn't remember where I put it. And I had a level of anxiety that I've not had over like an object, like glasses or a wallet or something like I had for my movement watch. Like you can ask Gemma... And Chamber, who's staying with us at the moment, like... I'm going to. The amount of times I asked them, have you seen my watch? I challenged them when they told me that they hadn't seen it. I didn't believe them. Where's the watch? Where's the watch? Like, I got so kind of, like, angst-ridden because I had grown used to it. I like wearing it now. I like the way it looks, like the, the way it feels. Now, Charlie. Yes. Did you feel like you're under some sort of mind control? <laughs> it's like, but Charlie, you never had a watch. <laughs> no! You are the watch. Yeah. Black Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> so I go into my bedroom just before I come down to Melbourne to see you, and there's my watch sitting in the watch box. Oh, yeah. It was not in the watch box, Will. Oh, hang on. Like, when I took it off, I put it somewhere like on a shelf or a counter or something like that. My wife, my housemate both denied seeing where the, the watch was, and then suddenly it appears just back on my dresser. I think someone's been wearing my movement watch. Well, it does feel like somebody's been wearing your movement watch behind your back. So I've put cameras in the house. <laughs> <laughs> that was conversational. <laughs> Great anecdote. The company start, was started by two broke college kids. That's like the start of a, like a, a John Cougar Mellencamp song. <laughs> Little story about two broke college kids. Started a watch company because they're frustrated with prices. <laughs> Oh, yeah, tell the town. <laughs> the company was started by two broke college kids. Next, next time we do this ad, it'll be uh, 900,000 watches worldwide because 100,000 people sent them back after hearing this ad. <laughs> they said, we love the watches, but we just could not be associated with them anymore. Uh, two broke college kids that wanted to wear stylish watches but couldn't afford them, so yep. they started their own company. Now it goes into uh, italics. How is this like you started? How, how is this like? How is this like how you started? Built a following, launched into podcast, YouTube, radio, etc. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're two we're two broke college kids essentially. Well, well you're a well, we very were. wealthy Australian comedian. Yeah, I was. No, a I was wealthy, a broke actor. I was a wealthy Australian comedian. Charlie was a broke actor, and together we uh, put together a podcast that continually cost us money. So I became a broke comedian. <laughs> so we understand. We're about to start a rival watch company. <laughs> Uh, they bring up a good point, though. We have started a YouTube channel, and we're starting to put more and more content on there. I know we're doing a plug for movement, but go check out our YouTube channel. We've been putting up some Q&As and stuff. I just realized that 
we started this YouTube channel. We don't really talk about it. So go to the YouTube channel. Well, you know what you've also got to do in our next one? What? You've got to be wearing your movement watch and you've uh, got yeah. to like, you know, just subtly, you know, yeah. sort of like product placement, James yeah. Bond style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be like having a few watch, more shots that involve your watch just subtly being in shot. Yeah, yeah. And then people can uh, have their minds controlled. <laughs> Recommended copy. Okay. Movement watches start at just $95. At a department store, you're looking at between uh, 400 to 500 bucks. Yeah, minimum. I think that's it. We, we talk about that a lot because yeah. we're not fans of the department store. Oh, no. And they're fancy watches. I'm not, <laughs> you won't find me wearing a department store watch. That sounds like a Gwen Stefani song. Won't find me wearing a department store watch. I, mean, I feel like the John Cougar Mellencamp thing went okay, but not okay enough that we went back to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, movement figured out that by selling online, they're able to cut out the oh, middleman, the dreaded middleman, the dreaded middleman lurking in the shadows, ready we to got siphon you your profits. M squared. <laughs> <laughs> they're able to cut out the middleman and retail markup, providing the best possible price. I believe that. Yeah. Classic design, quality construction, and style minimalism. That's minimalist, right? It's styled. No, no minimalism. fucking numbers on it. I have to remind myself all the time. I'm like, oh, what does it mean when it's pointing straight down again? <laughs> That's your version of a brain trainer. You know, those exercises that people do on the internet for 15 minutes? Yeah. Charlie is actually technically getting smarter. Like, it's like basically what's happening to Charlie since he got his movement watch is like the first Planet of the Apes movie. Yeah, I'm Lawnmower Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> Flowers for Charlie Non. Uh, there's over... <laughs> wow. Is that wow. too deep? Yeah, I mean, I like it. Okay, thank you. With over 1 million watches sold in over 160 countries. Okay. Call to action, must read. Must read. And so I think we've nailed this every week because yep. I, the must read did stick to my head. How long is this meant to go for, by the way? Just five minutes? No, but is that how long it's meant to go for? Yeah. The first thing is meant to go for 15 seconds. We did almost two minutes. This okay, is- but this one's meant to go for five minutes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we're over to, what, how, many, how long are we going? Oh, yeah, no, 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 we're over that. <laughs> but I, I thought it was meant to be like, you know, 90 seconds or something. Oh, they, I think, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's yeah. shorter. I, maybe <laughs> five minutes, I probably imagine. Five minutes seems like a lot to of us to have agreed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it's 90 seconds. <laughs> anyway. How many, so how long have we done? Oh, probably seven or eight minutes. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movement.com slash tofop. This watch has a really clean design. Seriously, I've been getting compliments ever since I put it on. Sorry. I mean, you have. I have, actually. It's true. I have. I told this story a couple of weeks ago. Jem's dad, when I was staying on, uh, with him on his boat, uh, I asked him to pass me the watch and he made a big deal about, ooh, how heavy it is and, you know, Mr. Buddy money bags and all this kind of stuff. So yeah. that counts as a compliment, right? It does count as a compliment. Rich guy's watch. Yeah, you've literally been complimented <laughs> about this watch. So even though that was compulsory copy for you to read, <laughs> it is also true. But I love how it's like, seriously. Seriously. Guys, seriously. seriously. I know we've had a lot of laughs. I know this has been we've fun. Had a lot of, we had John Cougar Mellencamp, yeah. not quite a successful Gwen <laughs> Stefani callback. <laughs> it's been good times guys and speaking of times you've got to know what time it is and to know what time it is you need yeah. a movement watch whoa whoa there's nothing seriously is that flavor flavor <laughs> flavor what time is it? what time is it and flavor doesn't look at the clock that is hanging around his neck he looks at his movement watch but he goes it is stylish and minimalist <laughs> now is the time to step up your watch game <laughs> yeah it's Flavor Flav's new single. Step up your watch game. <laughs> uh, 
He's actually he's touring with a guy called Movement Move. <laughs> flavor, flavor, movement, move. They know what time it is. Go to movement.com slash tofop. That's mvmt.com slash tofop. And join the movement. Join the movement. <laughs> that was great. Nailed it, I think. Brilliant. Better than the podcast. <laughs> and we're back. And we're back. We had to recover from Charlie's joke. <laughs> it was a good one. It really was. Like, it was one of those moments where I was like, normally you like to continue with that momentum, but I was like, I think I'm going to be exhausted. <laughs> I think I've just won the 100 metres at the Olympics and now I have to go and run a fucking semi-final in the 200. I'm not up for it. I, uh, I just started this new uh, workout regime with okay. kettlebells. What are you doing? Kettlebells. What's it called? Oh, sorry. So, hang on. Can I just finish yeah. the mattress thing? I realised oh, oh, I didn't shit, finish. Okay. So, oh, yeah, the mattress. So, um, so it's just... It's, so we ordered it's this mattress. Top, good for Amy to sink into, yep. but firm enough for you to have some support. So I have to fly down to Melbourne. And so the plan is uh, the mattress will get delivered and I will actually, like that night, sleep on the mattress, sleep in the house for the first time, then fly back to Sydney, right? Right. So I sleep in it. Mattress gets delivered and I sleep in it. And... It does not feel, it, it's more like an 85-90 is what I would say. It doesn't right. feel like what I thought it was going to feel like. Is it a car that you test drove and you got excited and now that you have it, you're like, ah, oh, shit, actually the seats are a bit soft, the radio doesn't tune in properly. I'm like, well, maybe you just have to wear it in a bit or maybe I just remember it differently. Yeah, but Maybe I, it was a particularly good day, I was feeling good. I woke up the next morning and my back and hips were hurting a lot and I was like, what have I... Was this a, was it a bit of a butter mattress? <laughs> <laughs> everything's great but a mattress <laughs> it was one of those things where i didn't know what to say to amy because like i was like we had such joy and hope and promise in this mattress and How now i felt like it to her? <laughs> so i didn't i didn't say anything i thought well maybe i'm remembering it wrong right. and the first time she sleeps don't in don't blame chill. yourself man right no don't blame yourself it's the mattress's fault not yours so anyway, out of the blue, I get this missed phone call on my um, uh, on my phone <laughs> <laughs> on my fridge, and <laughs> that's why you missed it. If they had called your phone instead of your fridge, it's like I answered my phone, but it turns out it was my fridge that was ringing. It <laughs> said I'm out of cheese. I was like, what is going on? Well, this is a, certainly is a smart house. This has taken a turn. Um, so another, that's another uh, Tofop Black Mirror episode. <laughs> the fucking bully housemate fridge. Is constantly texting you. Like you get a smart fridge and it's all great, but then it starts like constantly texting you for stuff when you're out. It's the movie Scream, but the first scene can never happen because nobody realizes it's actually the fridge that's ringing. <laughs> so they can't pick up the phone and the guy just goes home, puts his mask in the cupboard. Just love the idea. It's like of I couldn't get through. Every time you come home, your fridge is texting you, can you pick up some milk, pick yep. up some bread? But he never mentions payment. Like he's always asking right. and you're just like, look, you can afford it. You don't mind, but just offer. Like, just, like, leave some money on the counter, but he doesn't. The fridge never, never leaves does, any cash. Never does, just demands. Yeah. Oh, and it's just a little incremental thing, so you can't get yeah. mad, because it's like, what, well, do I ask him for, like, two oh, bucks Well, if you're going or... to Safeway anyway, yeah. can you pick us up some milk? Yeah. He's <laughs> the worst housemate, your fridge. Then everything's mysteriously gone in the middle of the night. You're like, hang on. You go, you go, go into the bathroom, your toothbrush has, like, got ice on it. You're like, did you use my toothbrush? No, you're a fridge. What are you brushing? My ice cubes. They're very sensitive. My toothbrush has got a cube on it. So, um, <laughs> thank you, Charlie. Uh, so, yeah, it's wordplay. Yeah, it's brilliant. So, <laughs> I loved it. Like up there with Oscar Wilde. With no E. He's less popular cousin. Um, 
So anyway, uh, so mattress uh, company has left me a message. Yep. And they say, sorry, we've delivered the wrong mattress to ah. you. So instead of... Oh, our, but I've already pissed on this one. <laughs> so instead of them delivering me the one hotel style mattress, they had delivered me another hotel's style mattress. Right. So I'm never staying at that hotel, by the way. Yeah, I wonder because there's no like rules about... It's like biohazard. Like you can't donate a mattress or anything I think like as that. soon... Like this is the terrible thing about it. I think as soon as I slept in that, even though I slept in it yeah. for one night, yeah. they, they can't use that they mattress. They tortured it. Yeah. Yeah, they took it to, to, the big, to the big mattress warehouse in the sky. Yeah, I felt bad. I was like, I can put it in another room. I've got heaps of empty rooms. I barely live in this house. So. <laughs> you feel so guilt-ridden. You have a mattress in your house that no one wants to sleep on. So I have... They exchange the mattress. Yeah. Uh, How does that go down? Is it like a Mexican standoff? Like imagine like two black SUVs roll up on each other in the desert. You get out with your mattress. They get well, out with their mattress. It was weird because they made us do it on the Westgate Bridge. <laughs> and I thought that was a tag complicated. I don't have a car down here. I had to get an Uber. <laughs> I had to get an Uber XL. I had to put the mattress in the back. I had to blindfold you, the mattress. You, you took a little Segway up there <laughs> to get your mattress. Just like row of cars behind you honking. Um, so mattress exchange is done. Sleep in the new bed. It is as perfect as I remember it. Right. It's the most comfortable bed I've slept in in a very long time. And last night when I was here by myself, um, it had clean sheets. I'm sleeping on this mattress. It was dark, it was quiet, and it felt like I was in the most comfortable hotel room of all time. And I just enjoyed laying there with nothing happening. And like even thoughts tried to come into my head and I was like, no, <laughs> this is not a time for thinking. This is just a time for enjoying lying down. I'm old, 44 this week. <laughs> it's just like when Homer's brain floats out of his head, I'm out of here. That is, you actually said that to me once, about insomnia, you were like, sometimes you can't sleep, whatever. It's nice to just take a moment and go, well, at least I can just lie here. Like, I don't have to do anything. I'm not sleeping. That's fine. But I'm just going to enjoy that lying here. Right. I do that a bit. And that's why I think I sleep pretty well. Um, I've had one bout of insomnia. I got jet lag really bad in London once. And I actually haven't gone back to do shows in London since because I was so traumatized. Wow. But because I think ordinarily I sleep pretty well. I'm pretty busy and I don't like sleep heaps. So I mm. think that when I do go to sleep, I sleep well. But I think it's that thing also is like sometimes I just go, I'm enjoying lying down. You know what I also enjoy? Closing my eyes. <laughs> I'm going to do them both at the same time. I might just think about something fun. Like, sometimes I do that. I'm just like, what's something fun to think about? I'll just think about that while I'm lying down somewhere comfortable with my <laughs> eyes closed. <laughs> I did it. Or sometimes I just like, you know what I do a lot of? Oh, this is a really guilty confession, but here we go. Uh-oh. So, the other night, Uh-oh. Um, I've got an iPad now. Yeah. Got it for work because I can't have my laptop at the desk there's too many microphones anyway whatever people don't need to know that but i got an ipad and i've never really been an ipad person but what i've discovered the joy of because i got one that has i realized my mistake in the Would past you say you were a ipadophobe yeah i was yeah i didn't like ipedophilia <laughs> so um <laughs> i was anti it and so no but i i think the mistake i had made is in the previous i only had ipads that were wi-fi right. and i've got one with like a phone you know yeah. so i can use it anywhere and suddenly you're like oh yeah i see how this is kind of handy yeah so i was in bed the other night because there's no internet in the house here and the grammys had happened and i had to talk about the grammys for the radio the next morning so i went online 
and I got lost in. Uh, I like Bruno Mars dancing. Yep, that's what it, I, I was just thinking that the other day <laughs> when I was at the gym. I walked up and they were playing a Bruno Mars song, and it's one of those ones where he's dancing. I'm like, look at him dance! It's delightful. Uh, like it he's is so good at it. So entertaining yeah. to watch. Yeah. And, he, and he picks really good dance moves. Yeah. And it's always like at the Grammys the other night. He did like this song that I've heard on the radio. I never thought that was that good. And then just to see him perform it live and the dance moves and it was kind of like a flat. It's always got a, like a flashback to some old hip hop thing or what, like mm. when he hammer danced at the fucking Super Bowl halftime show and stuff. And I'm so I'm lost in this hole of just looking up Bruno Mars dancing. Yeah. And every time I see it, I'm like, oh my god, he is such a good dancer. <laughs> and I enjoy watching him dance so much. And I love his dudes. He's got this posse of like other. The and who the play band. instruments and dance sing and dance crazy and they are all just so fun to watch the individual because they're all in their own right amazing dancers but the mm. way they dance together yeah which has it makes dancing seem really cool like that's what it is it makes dancing seem like something that you are like yeah did you not think dancing was cool before that no nah, well i don't i think i like dancing a lot but i don't think that liking dancing is cool no hang on sorry say again I like dancing yeah. personally a yes. lot. Yeah. But I don't think that liking dancing makes you cool. Right. Like, really? I think that your shows like your glee and whatever, it's a bit like nerdy to like singing and dancing and, you know, like, is I that... love all that stuff, but I think it's no, a bit I nerdy. Think that, is that, but like, I mean, what about culturally? Like, if you go somewhere like Brazil or something where that's like part of their culture. But is it part of our culture in Australia? I mean, we have fucking... Well, that's what I'm saying. Dancing with the stars. Yeah. But yeah, the <laughs> cultural touchstone of Australia. <laughs> well, what other dancing... The are Royal we... Ballet Company and Dancing what with I'm, the Stars. What I'm saying is, what other dancing are we famous for? Like tap dogs. So you think you can dance? Tap dogs. Stomp? Stomp. <laughs> Was that us? No, not us, uh -huh. I don't think. But it came here, heaps. Yeah. So we'll take You're that. You're going to smash some bloody... The, the dustpan lids together? I mean, the indigenous dancing, the Bangara Dance Company, who are amazing. But mm. it's not like you or I are at a wedding, you know, belting think, out yeah, some Bangara moves I like, or anything. Well, okay. Or Maybe, some tap dogs. I don't say... I like dancing sometimes. Like Gemma, Strictly ballroom. Gemma has shot dancers before, and I always think that you can't really go wrong. If you get a really good dancer, you can shoot them just doing their thing, and it's always amazing to watch. Like, if they're really athletic, you can speed it up, slide it down, whatever. It's always in, in, enchanting to watch a dancer. So I like it like that. Does it make me a nerd? Yep. Well, not the only thing, though. It's one of many <laughs> things that make you a nerd. <laughs> That's true. I don't think liking dancing quality... You're thinking of more like the drama club. You're like a drama club nerd, right? Well, I just think that like... Because I was a drama club nerd, sir. People don't really go to watch dancing that actually. much. I mean, people go to the ballet, obviously, but do they go to watch dancing a lot? Is dancing a thing that people are going to... Yeah. What? What name? One Australian Ballet Company. Yeah, no, I said apart from oh ballet. them. Oh, like uh, I don't know, Stomp, <laughs> Stomp Down Under. I'm sure there's like uh, I'm not that into it, but I'm sure there's like like dance battles and hip hop nights and shit all over the place. Yeah, but I'm saying it's not part of our sort of popular culture or lexicon. This like I don't know. Dance. Well, I grew up in a small town where dancing was banned, Band. and then this kid came along. In a little uh, yellow VW, really skinny leather tie. I remember thinking that when he got out, like, that's a that's a skinny tie. Did but you? Did you think that at the time? <laughs> yeah, it's a skinny okay. leather tie. It's a skinny tie. Anyway, this dude knew how to dance. Oh yeah. And by dancing, 
he taught the town to love again or something. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I saw that kid in that town. Is that the story? Is that how it goes? You remember the tie. And then the rest the tie of the really threw me, I'll be honest with you. It's like, that's, like, I get it. He's a great dancer and he's like, you know, dancing on the bridge. That tie is that skinny. That tie is just distracting. What is it? I can't remember most of the plot. The tie straight? was like, why? Does he tie off with that? Is that what he has? What is it? It's like a heroin addict. He's doing heroin. He's doing heroin, right? And that's how he carries it around. Yeah. It's made of rubber. It's rubber tubing. Check his tie. <laughs> Did you see the Footloose remake? Yeah. Did you? What? Okay. So you watch films with dancing. You've watched like I Lee, love dancing. You love pitch, but I'm I'm not. So... What? Charlie, this is the point. So I'm you're saying to you're make. a nerd? Yeah. I'm. I don't ah. think it's cool. I hide it in shame from people. Right. That's where I was confused. I thought you were trying to say that you don't think dancing is cool. That's why. I was no, confused. I watch like Bruno Mars dancing by myself when I'm alone in a place where I can be by myself and like. I'm not going to be watching... Hey, do you go to like a Broadway show where there's dancing? Well, I would, but Amy wouldn't. No, but there's, you're sitting there with like heaps of people. and like Australia has a strong musical scene. Yeah, they're going like for some of the dancing, but if there wasn't like a plot and some songs as well, I don't reckon you'd get them out just for the dancing. This is my thing. You can throw dancing in with some other stuff and people appreciate it, but are people going to see dancing by itself? It's like somebody having like a restaurant where the chicken schnitzel is the most popular and they're like, fuck this, we're going to open a, a, a restaurant that only serves chicken schnitzel. Would people still come to that or do more people come to the one where they have options yeah. but they just buy the most chicken schnitzel? So it's niche. I don't know. I'm, I'm asking. I'm wondering. I don't know. And I'd like to see dancing become... Like I think in America dancing is more popularly cultural I mean, because like movies like step up and things yeah. like that and i think it's because of obviously the black culture the latino culture like there's there seems to be more of a de- but I, mean, I, I produced a number of music videos where we had dancers and yes. stuff and i think dancers are great by the way i i love watching people dance and just, i like but music, I mean, I like but music but the video fact, dancing the fact that dancers are in like you know mainstream videos does it or you know popular artists does I'm, yeah, lots of people but, like dancing. But they, if the all, video, is that all not cool? But my question, Charlie, is: but if the video was only the dancing, are people watching it? Yes. So if you, Michael Jackson's Thriller could have just been the bit where he dances. It wasn't and, though. It was a really good song, as well. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Someone should recut Thriller, but if just was, to the sound of a like a kazoo, and like still with all the same. Dance but without moves. the story, without the plot, just the. Dancing, yeah, dancing on its own, isolated. You'd watch a rehearsal of that. What was the then last thing that you watched that was just dancing? That wasn't like singing or dancing or like you know, I don't know. a plot and dancing, a thing that had like just like if if the just movie pure dances, if the movie Step Up, if dancing was really so popular, like what it can, the it movie can Step Up video? would just be dancing from start to finish. What is a music video count? There's dancing in a music video. No, no because it would be like isolated dancing, just dancing. But who the fuck? is going to see, like, you, you need all the other stuff. When you go to a football game, you're not going to go to watch training. You watch the game. I'm going to say dancing is drumming. In that, like, it's good to have a band that has a really cool drummer, but if that really cool drummer was just touring Isn't by himself Michael playing Flatley, the drums. Michael like, a huge star for a while? And, aren't yeah, like, river dancing. Barishnikov. That's n- niche dancing. Occasionally, These are huge acts. Yeah, and but so one. lots of people must You're like them. So they can't, all those people can't be uncool. Yeah, I reckon they can be. Why does does that disqualify? Because it covers so many genres and like there's so many different ways, you know, musicals and music videos and stuff. Like, yeah, but dancing, what I'm saying is (laughs) dancing is in other things, but dancing by itself, is that a thing? 
I think so. I is it? No. I don't think it is. Uh, this is I think we're, this is finding another hole in the matrix. It's like, Charlie, what is Charlie. dancing? And I'm like, Charlie, <laughs> dancing shit. Maybe that's like the doorways. Maybe, imagine if... if we went to a dance studio... Okay, Charlie, imagine this. We would this. find a guy in a white beard surrounded by monitors who would confuse us, quid pro quo. What if, ago, this podcast turns out to be... It essentially is the movie The Matrix, but it's just two people trying to work out the flaws in the... So we catch up and we're like, you know, so here's what I've noticed. People seem to like dancing, right? But dancing can't sustain itself. Yeah, you know what dancing needs? Music. See, music can be music by itself, right? Yep. But dancing, most often, comes with music. If you take music out of the equation, then dancing is just like somebody. What about like? Do you know what I mean? Are you familiar with contemporary dance, right? Yep. Where a dancer will tell a story physically. Like yes. there'll be a narrative to it sometimes. That on its own is dancing. Right? Well, is it? Because hasn't it brought in a story? Wasn't it like the yeah, dancing? On, the dancing man. couldn't but so sustain does a itself. Fucking song. So does like a song tells a story. Like there's emotional peaks and highs. They play certain notes to make you feel a certain way. Well, I, I would go a step da, da, further da, da, and say, da, da, da. yeah, but this is the same thing, right? Like music <laughs> All by the songs to pick up <laughs> until the Spanish flame. No, well, that one disproves my point. But I would say that most music can't sustain itself without like lyrics or like singing right what about classical music yeah but that's what i'm saying that's why it's classical and not modern because we got <laughs> fucking sick of it because we can't sustain <laughs> they, itself they still do classical scores mate yeah but scores for movies and stuff right for something that you're adding I'm sure a people are making a, classical music still yeah some but this is what i'm saying it's so niche that it can't sustain itself music is no good by itself and needs like singing and like a song or whatever like music is Occasionally, there's one that slips through. That's fine, but most <laughs> it's a glitch. Wow, that's so generous, Will. Drummers, you're deeming. drummers are no good by themselves, but they're great in bands. In fact, sometimes bands can't survive without them. And I'm saying the same with dancing. Dancing well, can adds so much to the world, but it's no good by what itself. What can survive on its own? Because all these things you could argue don't exist on its own. Like if you're in a band, like let's look at a band. So you take away the drums, and you, you can sing a, a, you a can singer. sing a song without music. And have words. Yeah. So tell a story as well. Yeah. Well, I guess what you're saying, yeah, if we're going to get to that micro level, words are an advantage. Yeah. Perhaps music in itself, singing in its very self, can't, if it was just like noises, would that be like if it was well, like Enya? Enya. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're saying is Enya was a glitch in the Matrix. <laughs> Clearly. Wow. Did she not use words? I no, mean, she I, did. I know we, that was our default. Sailor way, sailor yeah. way, Orinoco flow. More like... Uh, what does that mean? More like Sigur Ross. Yeah, Sigur yeah, Ross yeah. are actually the better reference because they, they sing in a made-up language. Sailor way, sailor way, sailor. Yeah. What's the Orinoco flow? What is it? Yeah. Uh, Should we look it up? Oh, okay. you got no internet. Oh, I've got no internet. Ah, no, I that's could do good. it on my phone. It's good. No, it's a challenge. Okay. Let's, oh, let's speculate. Well, this will be like the old days. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> What I remember of the lyrics are sail away, sail away, sail away. Uh, I was let me at the jaws of Sicily or something. No, Napoli. Something. Okay, go to your phone. We tried for a minute, but this is how technology has destroyed us. We now this place has much better reception than my other place, though. You will be excited to hear that. 
Buy old place had the worst That's called reception. Sail away, right? sail away. Oh, no, Orinoco Flow. It's called actually by Enya. But just look up Enya. Sure if if you type Enya, I reckon Orinoco Flow will come uh, up as the top one. And we need lyrics. Okay. okay. A- Amy and her housemate Ben used to call Enya music to shit too. So what? Music to shit too. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Orinoco Flow. Yep. Enya. Let me sail, let me sail, let the Orinoco flow. Okay. I mean, it could be... P-tape, right? I mean, I guess <laughs> it could be that. The oh, old... God, I've got to let the Orinoco flow. Is that like a, you know, a, the internet like slang word for, you know, looking for Orinoco <laughs> flow? <laughs> let me reach, let me beach on the shores of... Napoli? Tripoli. Tripoli. Uh, Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. Let me sail, let me sail, let me crash upon your shore, let me reach, let me beach, far beyond the yellow sea. Let me reach, let me beach? What is, like, as in, just let me hit, well, hit, I your, think, hit your beach? No, I think, like, if the Orinoco flow is the P-tape, then, you know, the old reach and beach is like, you know, it's like a reach around. Let me reach, let me be. Shouldn't you say, <laughs> let me reach your certain sandy peaks? <laughs> No, oh, sorry, Anya. No more rewrites. Yeah. Just stick with the current lyrics. Charlie's got an Australian Anya act called Anya. Uh, uh, and he just tours around doing rewrites of Anya songs. Yeah, it's like, let me sail, let me sail, let the Orinoco flow, let me reach, let me beach on the shores of Chipoli. Let me sail, let me sail, let me crash upon your shore, let me reach, let me beach far beyond the Yellow Sea. Look what the Yellow Sea, there's another. Oh, yeah, Orinoco another, flow. Yeah, another clue. Sail away, sail away, sail away, four times. From Bissau to Palau, in the shade of a an old oak tree. tree? No, <laughs> uh, a beach, a northern beach in Sydney. Uh, I don't know. From Bissau to Palau, in the shade of Avalon. Oh, okay. From from an island in the Pacific, Fiji, <laughs> to Tyree, and the Isles of Babylon. A colour of a, a key on the keyboard. Uh, a key on the keyboard. <laughs> Ebony. Eb- oh, the key on... I was thinking of a computer oh, keyboard. Sorry. I was like, <laughs> asterisk? I, didn't, I should have specified. <laughs> From per- Shift? Caps Lock? Was it Caps Lock? From Peru to, to Cebu, hear the power of a uh, podcast that Kevin Smith does uh, with another guy. Uh, Babylon? Yes. From Bali. Hey, Bali hey, gets a from Bali. From Bali to Cali. Is that like California? Yeah, sure. No, California. Well, no. I mean, maybe. Okay, <laughs> sure. Let's just shout out yes. to Tupac. Shout out. Shake it, Cali. From, no, from Bali to Cali. It must be. Would she say Bali to Cali? From Bali to Cali. That sounds a bit what, what she'd say, isn't it? Yeah. From Bali to Cali. Far beneath the coral sea. Okay. All right, here we go. This so is to some underwater destination as well. Is she doing a shout out to the lost island of Atlantis? Yes, definitely. And then she gets very on ya because then she goes, turn it up, turn it up, turn it up, up, adieu. <laughs> turn it up, turn, turn it, it up, up, turn it up. Turn it up. <laughs> sail away, sail away, sail away. From the north to the south, is this like paid for by Flight Centre oh, or something? It's literally she's just naming places. Uh, I don't think it took any year all day. <laughs> from the north to the south, Ubidai Ubi to Khartoum, from the deep sea clouds to the island of the moon. 
I mean, it really now is. Now she's really not trying. Now yet. she's really just flipping through a map. Just <laughs> yeah. from, she's got a globe. Yeah. I think Enya literally had like one of those globes and she was just spinning it, like going. It's like that D-Gen joke when they do that rip off of the song and the, the, the happy birthday, Helen, where it's like, you just run out of Melbourne cliches. <laughs> and it's like, we went to Captain Cook's cabin and then we went to Moravan. <laughs> it's like, you just know. They were like, fuck. Running out of time. Kevin Moravan, brilliant. Put it down. Uh, carry me on the waves to lands I've never been. Carry me on the waves to lands I've never seen. Right. Well, you haven't been there. Of course, you haven't seen that. I really you have think. To repeat yourself, Enya. <laughs> like, I'm not a fucking idiot. I get it. You want to go on the Orinoco flow. We can sail. We can sail with the Orinoco. I reckon it's. A, I reckon the Orinoco flow is a wind. That yeah, makes sense. It's like a. Sea it makes chain. sense. Or maybe it's Enya's yacht. <laughs> or her farting. <laughs> oh, Charlie. Sail away, sail away, sail away, sail away, sail away. We can steer, we can near. No, this does not stand up to analysis, does it? We can steer, we can near. She's like, she's just lying on her back eating a sandwich with her producer, and she's just standing down. We can steer, we can near, steer near. If I'm standing here, I am on the gear. Grab me Kevin Bacon's necklace. No tie. Nicholas, either way. He's got two. That's his backup. Oh, here we go. Someone right. gets name checked here. With Rob Dickens at the wheel. That's her producer. Now she's just looking around the room. Uh, get me a coffee cup and a croissant. There's nothing else I want. <laughs> she's going. So with Rob Dickens. No, she's in the car going back to a hotel. The with Orinoco, Rob Dickens at the wheel. The Orinoco Flow is actually the name of the coffee machine in the studio. <laughs> The air conditioner. <laughs> it's the toilet brand. So turn up the Orinoco flow. <laughs> uh, with Rob Dickens at the wheel. You know yeah. we have to find out who Rob Dickens, Rob Dickens is. With Rob Dickens at the wheel, we can sigh, say goodbye. Ross and his dependencies. Hang on, what? Whoa. There's Ross. Jesus. <laughs> took a dark turn. We can sail, we can sail, sail away, sail away, sail away. I don't, I hope we don't oh. find out that this is a song about like wow. suicide or something. And we're like, oh, Orinoco flow. Wow. If it is turn out, can I just say, if it doesn't have to be that, Mike, how can you cut out the bit about her farting to make the boat sail? Yeah, but leave everything else <laughs> in. Okay. We can sigh, say goodbye, Ross and his dependencies. Yeah. That's a fuck. Dependencies That's is weird. a hard word to put into a lyric. How also, just, what do you mean by that? We can steer, Who's Ross? we can near with Rob Dickens at the wheel. We can sigh, say goodbye, Ross and his dependencies. That doesn't fit. It's really weird. Yeah. That's like, okay, who's Ross and what are his dependencies? And why is he only introduced as a character at this point when you've just spent like the last fucking minute and a half, two minutes? Yeah, it's really telling, like, it's, it's a drive-by. Don't bring in a new character <laughs> yeah. at this point in the fucking Orinoco flow yeah, story. It's like someone telling you a story about like, you know, bringing their dogs home from the shops yeah. and then they turn around and they got a knife in the back and like, oh yeah, and I got stabbed. Stabbed? Yeah. What? Hey, what? Stop anyway, I've got to go now. <laughs> We can sail, we can sail, sail away, sail away, sail away. Yeah. We can reach, we can beach on the shores of Tripoli. Yeah. We can sail, oh, she's repeating herself now. We can yeah. sail, sail away, sail away. Oh, now she's, she's recapping. From <laughs> Bali to Kali, yeah. far beneath the Coral Sea, we can sail, sail away, sail away. From Basel to Palau, the Shades of Avalon. She's going in reverse order. I've noted that. Okay, so oh, we can come back, is what she's saying. Yeah. And, oh, Will, that's brilliant. <laughs> See, that's a guy who writes for a living, he tells a story. I didn't pick that, you're right. <laughs> The Orinoco flow is bringing her home. Not with Ross and his bloody dependencies, though. He can fucking suck it. 
You're out, Ross. Get out of the boat. No, Ross will be there waiting for them at the dock. <laughs> Needs a place to sleep. Yeah, he's like, guys, guys. Other than that, next see Ross at the lights. He's washing the windows. We can't reach by the crown of the Yellow Sea. We can sail, sail away. So, away from Peru to Cebu, blah, blah, blah. We can sail, we can sail, we can sail. The last lyric, she says, we can sail seven times. Right. We can sail. We can sail, we can sail, we can sail. Blah, well, blah, this blah, is blah, my blah. point. <laughs> Less about the fucking sailing, we get it, and more about Ross and what his particular dependencies are. Do you want to find out a bit more about the song? I would like to find Maybe out Maybe we more can about find out song, who these yeah. na- name-checked people I are. I mean, it'd be great if there's a story behind Orinoco Flow. I mean, it was such a huge song around the world, There's right? meaning. Oh, so, great. Okay, this is great. brilliant. This okay. is what we need. I mean, it's the internet. Like, anyone could have written this. Well, you know, Lindsay Webb and I, there'll be an episode of Fofop that comes out soon and we started talking about Highway to Heaven, which we've talked about on this podcast before. But I wanted to know what happened to Michael in the final episode of Highway to Heaven and there was not as much information about it on the internet as I would have initially expected. So, uh, remind me, I watched a a few episodes. So, he's an angel. He's an angel who's lost his wings. That's right. And he gets sent to Earth and he works with... private eye? Yeah. Who looks like a pedophile. Yeah, well, they they (laughs) team up and they travel around together. It's like... And uh, Michael Landon does good good deeds. Yeah. Yeah. While everyone says, why are you hanging out with that bloke with the beard Who's that guy? The glasses. Well, he goes down and hangs out by the school. (laughs) Don't hang around with him. Okay, you want some facts? Yes. This is from songfacts.fact. Fact. The Orinoco River. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, good start. Flows across South America. It's about 1,300 miles long and goes through parts of Venezuela, Colombia, and Brazil. I mean, it's weird, though, that she thought she could get to Bali on that one river. The song's title, Smartass, Uh refers to the Orinoco Studios in London, where this and the rest of Watermark, the Watermark album, was recorded. Well, this is literally to our theory that she was just looking around. She's named her hit song over the name of the building that she was in. (laughs) It's not known if it was a dual reference to the South American River as well. Right. Well, It's not known. They couldn't ask Enya? No. Okay, this was Enya's first hit. Wasn't it her only hit? Uh, I think there might have been a follow-up off the back of this that was popular enough. It was her first hit. It got a lot of exposure. It was released as a single after getting airplay on the Steve Wright Show on BBC Radio 1 in the UK. And you went on to become the best-selling female singer in the world. Did she fucking really? Yep. For sitting in a studio, picking things off. Riffing. Like, Just going, like, you're a tap, you're a tap, <laughs> you are also dish, dishwashing liquid. Yeah, just being like, are... by just verbal kenting it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is like, this, this is the big twist. Yeah. That we find out that Enya is Kaiser Soze. <laughs> um, Enya Soze, Kaiser's sister. The words we can steer, we can near. Yeah. Like, this is great. great. This is answering all exactly our what we This has been a great know. episode, really, I've got to say. <laughs> like, I know we started off a bit fucking, like, depressing... But we have really picked up our game. I feel like that's what we should do every week now. The yeah. first 20 minutes can be really, really depressing. Confessional. And then it like comes home strong. I just go, Will, I killed a man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, this will be a good one. <laughs> the words, we can steer, we can near, with Rob Dickens at the wheel. Yes. Tell me. Tell me. The we producer. blowing the lid right off this. The producer. Refers to Rob Dickens, the head of her record label at WEA. She's Shut literally writing a shout out track. It's like when hip hop bands like, yo, 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 Death Row Records. She's like, yo, 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 Rob Dickens at the wheel of this motherfucker. And you're in the house. 
she sail came away, in. Sail away. She came in and she just had like her notes for the songs were insert studio name, yeah. insert CEO <laughs> of studio name. Guarantee you're going to get radio players like the head of the company. It's like, hey, I fucking name checked you in the song because you're such a great driver behind the wheel. Wow. Because you certainly can steer and be near. Okay, so who was the other fella? Who was Ross? Was he like the dodgy accountant uh, or well, no, We've got some more info on okay, Robbie, Ro- Robbie Dix. Okay, tell us about Robbie. Robbie Dick in. At the wheel. <laughs> in an article published on the 13th of December, 2008, Dickens said, when I signed Enya, and it's Enya, isn't it? Not, yep. Yeah, Enya. Her manager producer, Nicky Ryan, said, you're not going to push us for singles, are you? Okay. It wasn't that kind of music. After we'd made the Watermark album, I said as a joke, Nikki, where's the single? A week later, Nikki rang up and said, we've got it. Got what? We got the single. He sent over what became the Orinoco flow. There was no middle eight and Sail Away was after every line. It drove me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But there was something there that could be worked on. Orinoco was the name of the studio and I think they saw me as the captain of the ship. No, they didn't, dickhead. They saw you as the guy who can get their fucking song on the radio. How easily... This guy is like fucking Donald Trump. Just wants a compliment. He just wants a compliment. We'll put it near the end of the song. It'll be fine. What are we going to say? Just say he's at the head of the wheel. It could mean anything. We could say the fucking... It's heading at the wheel of a car heading up a cliff. Right, who cares? Uh, Thelma or Louise were at the wheel. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Thelma and all Louise. I think they saw me as the captain of the ship. The whole thing was a metaphor for a journey for all of us. Yeah. A journey was to it? a fucking a journey bank account. To a fucking journey of sweet millions of dollars exactly. to the bank account because you're a fucking sucker. <laughs> you subjected us to this fucking song. I mean, you literally said, Man. when I heard it, it drove me crazy. Drove me crazy. My name, so I guess. Anyway, <laughs> I guess we should. How's that for quality control from your CEO? It's like, look at this song. It drives me crazy. crazy. Release it. Everywhere. 2,000 stations. Get it on every station immediately. People will hate this. Get it out there. Get it out there. We've literally had reports of people vomiting when hearing this song. Double the prints. Get them out. Get me some polar bear earplugs (laughs) and get this out to the masses. (laughs) I was in charge of... Oh, fuck, we really get into fucking tricky dick. Okay. I was in charge of the record company for the UK and Ireland, but we never had any Irish music. Oh, so she's Irish. She's Irish. Someone said, you like Clanad? You'd like this soundtrack album this ex-Clanad member has done. I guess that's a band that Anya was in. Yep. She's done the music for the BBC series The Celts. I loved it. I played it every night. We love that. We met at an Irish award ceremony and I said, you must do a vocal record. Oh, so she wrote the music, the score. Okay. Right? The record company thought I was so, mad. To my point, you need to add some vocals to that music because yeah. the music's not getting there by itself. <laughs> the record company thought I was mad, but I said what became a famous quote. We'll be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, think not what you can do for your <laughs> yeah. country. Yeah. We will fight them on the beaches <laughs> of the Orinoco flow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you sign acts to make money and sometimes you sign acts to make music. That is not a famous quote. It's not. I've never heard it before. And it's a terrible quote too. Terrible. You wouldn't want it to be famous. You'd be really upset if that's the thing that people associated you with. Wow. Rob Dickens, also, you are a caricature of the worst rec- radio, record executive stereotype but of also, all time. But also, it's not even true because... He made both money and music with her. That's right. Terrible, terrible, annoying music. 
in the week of release, Tower Records phoned up to say they were going to kill me. No. <laughs> in the week of release, Tower Records phoned up to say they played the album in the shop. They sold 45 copies. Oh, that's a good thing, apparently. Right. Almost, that's, of course, because this is pre-internet. Like, of course, I'm like, 45 albums? Like, 45 million, right? <laughs> <laughs> they sold 45 copies, and you were like, it was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Almost everyone in the shop brought one. It was unheard of. It went from 29 to 5, then number 1, and then we sold bucket loads of albums. Why? Why? There's so many deserving people who deserve success, and this fuckhead... Who hated this song? Hated the song. Whose record company hated it? Yeah. Foisted it upon us. Yeah. And made millions. millions. Bucket loads. Made bucket loads. It's, it is proof, isn't it, that like dumb people often succeed because they just don't doubt, doubt themselves. Right. Like intelligent people like weigh up the consequences. They tend to have like more of a like ethical depth. But like when you just don't give a shit, you're gonna strike lucky. Like you might miss 99 out of 100, but when right. you fucking strike it, yeah, not fucking Robbie Dixon or whatever Dickens. his name is, Dickens. Oh, what he... the Dickens? Oh god, I, I actually feel I'm getting like vomit in my throat reading this from okay. now about him. He sold bucket loads of albums. It was totally rags to riches. Oh. It's one of those things I'm most proud of. You fucking hated the you track. Hated it. How can you be proud you of it? You didn't believe it in, in any way. Yeah. They literally put your name in the song to get you across the line. You know what I'm most proud of? My cancer. Yeah. <laughs> like, of all the things, you know, look, at, I, I've never had anything work so hard for me as my cancer. You know what? One day I was actually uh, going through the bin looking for the cold pizza I'd thrown out the night before and some criminal had just left all this gold in there. So I took it out <laughs> and now I live in a castle. It's one of the things I'm most proud of. Funnily enough, I haven't even noticed the lyric until they printed the album. Oh, yeah, bullshit. Never shit. has. There's a favorite How quote. How many fucking times would he have heard that song? He never said noticed. it drove him crazy. I never noticed that most of it was incomprehensible, but then randomly there was my name in it. <laughs> yeah. I never noticed because I didn't listen to it because it was music to shit to. <laughs> it was embarrassing. <laughs> but when it went to number one, I thought... <laughs> I'm in the lyric of a number one song. How fabulous. Oh. You are Rob the worst. The worst. <laughs> All these years later, if I hear the line, Rob Dickens at the wheel, I can't help smiling. Yeah, because From you're... now on, whenever I hear Rob Dickens at the wheel, I can't stop crying. You like it because you're at the wheel of your gold boat. <sighs> okay, that was exhausting. Okay. That was just like the first point. That was all one oh. point. <laughs> Sorry, we've got right. loads, loads more okay. facts. Are you up for it? Yeah. All right. <laughs> you look exhausted. There. I wasn't. You just wanted to lie down. I've got to be honest, I thought that was going to be the end of the podcast, but I am back and right. I'm up for it. All right, second wind. The lyricist on this track was Roma Ryan, who also sounds like a WWE wrestler. Yeah. The wife of the song's producer, Nikki Ryan. Oh my God. So he just got his wife to do it. That's why the lyrics are so terrible. In Enya wasn't even involved. In... Uh, uh, a book, I guess, called A Thousand UK Number One Hits by John Kuttner and Spencer Lee. Ryan said, Orinoco Flow is a very difficult song to work on because we only had so much things in the studio I could look at and write down. <laughs> it was a hard song to work on because we had it shelved a few times. We'd work on it for a while, leave it, go back to it again. But in the end, we said, hey, this is good. All the time, it was an album track. And only at the very end was it decided it might be good as a single. I wonder... If Mike Howell could play like, 
like the song under just quietly just a little bit underneath yeah just to drive people a bit crazy i mean to this we probably only can play a certain amount of it without you know getting sued by we're commenting on it doesn't that count I think, well, yeah, maybe a little bit. I don't know. Just try, Mike. Just, yeah. just say, drive him a little Give crazy. A Give him a little tickle. Give him a little tickle. Okay. The video was an extension of the Watermark album sleeve. And you commented also in a thousand UK number one hits. Have there been a thousand number one hits? I guess there would be. That yeah. seems like a lot. I guess there's a new one every week. Well, yeah. And there's 50 weeks in a year. So that means that it doesn't actually take that long okay. to get to a thousand, does it? We were so happy with the cover, which was basically a picture of me, but there were layers and layers of beautiful imagery revolving around me that were hand... Bored. Like a bored up. Move on. Move on. Don't care. What next? In a bit of cinematic dissonance, similar to Singing in the Rain, Singing Clockwork Orange, stuck in the middle of you. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. In a cinematic dissonance, similar to Singing in the Rain, a scene in Clockwork Orange, or Stuck in the Middle with You in Reservoir Dogs, the song was used in a violent scene in the 2011 movie, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh. That's a, that's, uh, yeah. yeah, what scene was it? Who oh, cares? not that horrible scene. Who cares? Okay. I don't. I don't care about that. Well, there, they, but what, they, what, they, what they what they do say is interesting. Is they like the idea of the bad guy liking that song. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's comments. All right, last point. Yeah. Despite this song's success, many listeners. Have, <laughs> Despite the song's success, many listeners had no idea what Enya looked like, or if, even if Enya was the name of the singer or the band. To protect her privacy, she kept a low profile and did minimal publicity. Well, you know what? Oh, shit. Sorry. There's more. <laughs> oh, no. It's good. These are just comments. A lot of people commenting on Enya. James from Jacksonville, Florida says, it makes me want to go sailing. <laughs> Wow. This song is just about the dream of traveling the world freely. It okay. sounds like the only line missing from this song is, where in the world is coming San Diego? Ellison. Who is, can you Google who is Ross from Orinoco Flow? Yeah, because we we understand who old mate is Rob now. Dickens. Rob Dickens at the wheel. But I want to know who Burdensome Ross is. Ross. Who is Ross? Who is Ross in Orinoco Flow? Because that's my mystery. I want to know who this Ross guy is who's got all these fucking, yeah, you know, exactly. Dependent Ross. Maybe Ross was the name of the kid of the producer and his wife who wrote the lyrics. Maybe it was a fucking, and my son's a bit of a dick. Okay, who are Rob Dickens and Ross mentioned in the Orinoco flow? <clears throat> Great. Good on the internet, by the way. Mm. Okay. Da, 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 da. Rob Dickens was at WEA, yep. music at the time. Ross Cullum. Okay, here we go. Was listed as the album's engineer and also is a co-producer with Nicky Ryan and Enya. Hmm. A reader has noted that Mr. Cullen was actually out sick the day of recording. <laughs> yeah, because, because <laughs> of his dependencies. <laughs> the Ross dependencies is a geographic reference. Only one of the many in the song. What? It seems like that Roma simply couldn't resist making a little joke based on Ross's name. Like okay. The Ross dependencies. So the Ross like dependencies are some sort of like, like geographical mark. thing, but it's also a shout out to Ross and his dependencies. Oh, so it's like a double Google, meaning. Should we Google the Ross dependencies? Yeah, sure. Why not? We're here. We might as well get, you know, finish this. We might as well get to the line on this and then this will be it. Because I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> the end of Tofop. That Another sign that I'm getting old. I have to go to the bathroom more regularly. It's good for you. Okay, the Ross Dependency is a region of Antarctica defined 
by a sector. Uh, you know what? Now that I know that, it pisses me off even right. more. Who the fuck is going there? Who cares? Like, why are you sailing to you're Antarctica? And you certainly, if you're going there, you're not going there again on the way back. You know what's weird? It's like when we started talking about this, yeah. I didn't think I had any particular feeling about Sail Away uh, or Anoko Flow by Inya, but now I hate it. <laughs> Mainly because of that fucking dude. I guess that I probably late tonight will look it up on my iPad. <laughs> yeah. Can you drive yourself crazy? I don't know. I, 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 I think I still have neutral feelings, but... I actually, to be honest, I'm a little bit disappointed to learn that Enya didn't write the lyrics. I guess that's what I am a little disappointed to learn. Like, I, I always thought that it you was Enya. it was an expression of her I thought, it, yeah. And I think that does lessen the song for me. Do you need to be the writer of the lyrics to kind of Don't need to be, the song? but I think it gives me... I think sometimes, it, you know... No, I mean, you know, Elton John, Bernie Taupin, there's like, you know, obviously they're a great... You know, songwriters who write for other people. Yeah, because I guess when a singer sings something, if a lyric becomes particularly famous or a chorus or whatever, like Madonna's the material girl. Right. She has to own that, even though she probably didn't write the lyric. Right, exactly. It becomes synonymous with them. Yeah, that's who you are. You're identifying yourself. Exactly. You're not a businessman. You're a businessman. I always thought that Enya was all about sailing. Hang on, fuck that up. (laughs) I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. No, we're the the reverse. Yeah. I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. No, you're not. No, you're neither. <laughs> you are neither the business or a businessman. <laughs> or a man. You're a liar. <laughs> you're barely you human. You are barely, barely human and have no capacity for business. I just assumed you were some kind of animated mannequin with no genitalia. I assume that you are some sort of matrix-like simulation that is happening and there are occasional glitches that you're meant to notice, like your fly being open, but you <laughs> don't notice them. Um, I have some shows on sale. Uh, Adelaide Fringe Festival, uh, Brisbane Comedy Festival, Melbourne International Comedy Festival, uh, Perth Comedy Festival. And by the time that people hear this or in the next couple of days, I think maybe on Monday morning, we're announcing the shows in Sydney and in uh, Canberra as well uh, and other places still to come. But uh, buy tickets. Uh, Lots of people are buying tickets. I think it's probably going to be... Um, uh, I'm really looking forward to doing this show. I feel like it's a real culmination of a lot of, uh, you know, writing experience and journeys. And I've finally got a story that I can kind of, I think, apply all my best skills that I've learned how to do. It feels like a, it feels like a once in a lifetime opportunity to do a show like this. So I'm really excited about it. And, um, I hope people will come out and see it. Um, I, uh, we're not going to do a live TOEFOP at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival for the first time in a while because Charlie is going overseas to become famous. Yeah. I'm traveling the world. I'm actually going back for a wedding too in Scotland. Gemma's brother's getting married. Oh, nice. And when we're over there for Christmas, I really dig kilts, man. I like kilts. Like, I think they look smart. I saw yeah, there's a bunch I like of, a kilt. There's a bunch of dudes um, going to a wedding, I guess. And they're Comfy in their tra- too. Traditional. They look awesome. Yeah. And so I said to Jem... Is it culturally inappropriate for me to wear a kilt to your brother's wedding? You can wear it to the wedding, but you can't wear it to Splendor in the Grass. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the rule? Charlie's at Splendor in a kilt and an Indian headdress. Well, I started looking up like kilts online because yep. there's there's sort of be you can get like modern interpretations. Is it the traditional kilts for? Like, if I had a kilt shop, I'd call it Kilton in the name of. <laughs> I would I say call it kiss or kilt. Oh, that's not bad too. I like it. Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kilt me. Oh, maybe I'd call it kilt will. Yeah, that that's good. Sense. That makes much more yeah. sense. <laughs> Wilt kilt? No, it doesn't work. Um, so I want to wear a kilt, but I'm worried that. 
as the only non-Scotsman who'll right. be at this wedding. Yeah. Like, is that you like, know, if a dude, if like, is a dude, that like blackface? Yeah. Or if a dude yeah. walked up, like, you know, dressed in a dryzer bone with an Akubra, holding <laughs> a boomerang, like to your. In a cork hat. Yeah. <laughs> a, yeah. Our national dress. Exactly. It came just like Ned Kelly. Uh, or Chopper. <laughs> yeah, came dressed in a Ned Kelly helmet. It's like, you got, this is what you guys wear, right? Yeah. Uh, but she seems to think that it's fine. Like, it's okay. Do and also, do you have Scottish heritage? Yes. Well, I have Irish heritage, but my mother was a McSweeney. And the, from what I can understand, the McSweeney started in Scotland. So if you go way, way, way back, because they're all from the same clans originally. I think they were, it was called, they were called the McQueens and then there was a fight in that kind of clan and then I think the group split off to Ireland and became the McSweeney's. But there's some conjecture about when and who and, you know, there's, it's Game of Thrones type shit, like sisters and marrying brothers and all this kind of stuff. But that's enough. There is, I, there is a McSweeney, uh, there's a McSweeney tartan because it covers both. So I can wear my McSweeney tartan. My mother was a McSweeney. The bloodline is strong. Yeah. And, and I have good thighs for a kilt. I got like big, thick, kind of Irish potato digging thighs. Well, obviously Anderson is like, we're, we have direct Scottish lineage. And um, yeah, so an Anderson kilt's pretty uh, easy to find, the tartan and what all those it? sort of things. Mine's kind of like, mine's almost St Kilda colour, so I quite like it. Oh, actually, mine's a little bulldogsy actually <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, Not too awesome. bad. Yeah, it's good. Um, comfy, a kilt as yeah. well. That's the other thing. Like just comfortable, you know, to me. Um, yeah, I like the... You know, I mean, obviously, the, the Andersons, our family, have been Australian, you know, like a, a long way back to when white people have been in Australia. So we don't have that sort of, you know, sometimes, you know, when someone will have a grandparent who is like, you know, mm. English or Scottish, but I don't have that in my family. So I don't feel any direct correlation to us. We weren't raised with any Scottish traditions yeah. or English traditions, I, you I know, that so. sort of thing. So Well, my grand, great-grandparents were Irish. My mum identified quite strongly with being Irish. She's Eileen McSweeney. It's a very right. Irish name. But it's funny. I've ne- I'm the same as you. I'm like fourth generation. So I don't identify with anything. But I, since mum passed away, I'm like, I, I want to go to Ireland. I want to kind of see where the McSweeney's come right. from. And just, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, when you lose someone or a family member, that's, that's when you start. It's, it's weird. You sort of, that's when you start to investigate further. Like the irony being while they're alive, you could ask them anything you want or, you know, but then... If they hadn't died, you wouldn't. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a catch-22. Well, the other thing for me is I grew up, you know, obviously on the road that my yeah, granddad <laughs> so you, were you going to go see your ancestors? But then, like, my other grandparents lived, like, on the cross. Like, literally, they all live within blocks of where I grew up. So I'm like, so where's our family from? Here. This, pretty much this, you can <laughs> see them. Look, there's granddad. There's grandma. Well, I was going to say, like, for my 40th, my friends, including you, a whole bunch of you got together and a very generous gift bought me a ticket to go to Ireland. Right. To visit my roots. If I could return the favour, it just costs like, like a bus right. ticket. Yeah. <laughs> you just go from one side of the road to the you can other. Get, you can just get me the V-rail down to Sorelgum <laughs> and then mum and dad will come pick me up. <laughs> going to visit my roots. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel. Um, I sort of promoted that in, in our movement ad. But um, yeah. yeah, we're putting some content up there. We've sort of shot some videos. We want to kind of in- encourage and incentivize you guys to go to our Patreon. because we've The been a Q&A bit um, seems to be people are enjoying the Q&A yeah. thing. So we like... We like doing them. They're yeah. Easy enough to record. So we've got a few more of those in the pipeline, but just um, go and subscribe to our YouTube channel because that just helps us and it also means you get first notification. If you join our Patreon, you get the videos a bit earlier than everyone else. I haven't decided on the time frime. I'm a bit like... It's a bit... Just to- a bit earlier. It's a bit tofop. 
Yeah, so that's I'm not fine. quite sure. Let's so not, I haven't really thought it through. But, but also, let's not like. I don't want to make it this thing. That's no. right. I've had this whole kind yeah. of like thought process where it's like, I don't want us to be that slick. Hey, you know, no. you act now, you get this. It's like, look, we want to reward the Patreon yeah. subscribers, but we don't exclude anyone. Believe in us and we'll try to, we're trying to, you know, create, you know, stuff. create some more stuff. Just, you know. If you if you want to throw a few bucks our way to help us do that, it's really handy, particularly for supporting James and you know uh, you know the people around the podcast, Michael and you know the people who regularly do stuff for us. Don't yeah, us Will's do mattress it. delivery guys. And, exactly. Uh, <laughs> using some of that sweet toe pop gas. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I'm putting it all into my I mattress. Find out, That's like, why it feels so comfortable because <laughs> it's stuffed full of sweet Patreon cash. I go to the figures. I'm like. He's been siphoning off the whole time buying mattresses. I've actually done a deal with Teespring. Yeah, and I've right. been oh, s- selling fake Fosdikes to t- Teespring. Those motherfuckers. Like, fuck. If anyone is listening from Teespring, come on, dudes, just fucking stop it. It's I gross. Mean, it's just gross. Stop doing it. Stop stealing uh, people's stuff and uh, making a profit out of it. And Don't be shit. Like, it's not hard not to be shit. shit. Yeah. Like, you've got a fucking business model that works. Just don't steal shit. Go to our website if you want to find James's stuff and also uh, his Redbubble page, you know, but don't go to Teespring uh, for his stuff because it's being stolen. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. And that is it. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. It's not optional. You have to do it. (laughs) We used to go easy on it, but now you have to. Yeah. Yeah.